This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I get the privilege of serving as the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Northwest Arkansas and uh, get a chance to uh, meet influencers all over the country and, and just watch this uh, this great ministry grow and, and helping people find that intimate abiding relationship with Christ, which is, has been such a joy for me to see and be part of. Um, we have a special treat today. Last uh, week, I had the privilege of being in Tulsa. Uh, where we have a strong uh, influencers chapter. It's where I got my beginnings uh, and start. And uh, they do a weekly gathering called The Anchor where they uh, encourage uh, men to uh, through praise and worship and through word of testimony and through prayer. And uh, Sam Parsons, who has been a long time part of this ministry, and he's been connected with Pete McKenzie out in Orange County for years and uh, has his own ministry out in Southern California. He's been uh, a leader at our national uh, gatherings as far as our praise and worship leader. He has a son, Nick Parsons, who serves in Tulsa as a praise and worship leader and also helps out at the national gatherings. But uh, Sam was in in Tulsa for the anchor and uh, got to give his uh, talents to the anchor uh, in praise and worship and also got to share the story of his journey. Uh, He lost his wife last year, Colleen, uh, and had to go through the same grieving process that Pete McKenzie did uh, a few years ago. And and, uh, also, Sam has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and uh, he was only given six months to live, and uh, he's made it seven months so far, and you wouldn't have ever uh, known it if you saw him up there on stage. But uh, we are privileged to share with you the message that Sam uh, brought to the men in Tulsa a week ago, and uh, you will very much be blessed. So enjoy listening to our brother, Sam Parsons. Hey guys, how are you? So first of all, uh, don't be embarrassed by this, but give me a show of hands of people that do not know Sam. All right, good, good. So this gives me an opportunity to to introduce you to him. And uh, you might know that this man's last name is Parsons. And if you know Nick Parsons over to my right, and he's over here, then you would know that that is his father right here. And I've been uh, given the honor to introduce Sam to you guys that don't know him. And for the ones who do know him, uh, then, you know, the honor's always there just to be with him. But uh, a little bit before I get into him, let me share with you what's been happening to me. (laughs) Uh, It seems like the last couple times that I've been asked to speak at some conferences, they give me my subject. And I don't know why it's always this, that they want me to speak on finishing strong. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And I give a story about, well, you know, I, I was a football player, so I want to kind of help you understand about a game and uh, the different quarters of life that we're in. And you can take the first quarter being up to about age 25, and then the, you get to the second quarter, and then you got age there, third quarter, fourth quarter. And then you get to my age, and this guy's age, we're in the two-minute warning. 
and it really gets uh, intensified at that point, doesn't it? It really gets sweet. We get efficient, don't we? We know how to finish strong. But let me tell you, the key to finishing strong is running right. Every play, every day of your life. So for you 20-something-year-olds and 30-year-olds, 30-something years old, up to our age, uh, finishing strong has got to be today, not when you are our age. You run strong every day, and you finish strong every day. And before long, your days have been adding up to the finish line is ahead and you run into the arms of Jesus. Amen. And that's our way. That's our mission. Amen. That's where we're going. Right, guys? Alright, so here's what I want to share with you about this man. This man has been running strong. He's been running well. And as long as I've known him, he has been an amazing part of God's reach to me. And I first met Sam about probably about 25 years ago. I think you were singing in the Boys and Girls Club with Pete's group out there, right? Band of Brothers. And, 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 and I hadn't been around that kind of worship leader before. I've been around some talented guys before. And I, and I resonate with music. Music is just part of my worship in a lot of ways. But there was something about this guy that took me to the throne of God like I'd never had before. Amen. And there were some idiosyncrasies about Sam that, you know, he's sitting down now, but he usually didn't sit down. No. <laughs> and, he, and, and there was only one guy in, in, that, um, in that group of men that was him. Now I guess y'all have probably about 25 or 30. <laughs> they have a big band, and it's just big, big deal when you go there. To, Still fun. Yeah, it's fun. But I remember seeing you, Sam. I remember you having this, this uh, guitar, and you were looking at us, and you do this. And you start singing, you just walk into us like that. And it's like, I mean, you were engaging us. He's pulling us in there. And uh, somewhere along the line, you know, influencers got started. And, uh, and so I knew him before influencers. And, and he, uh, he and I were discussing this, and, and one day he said, you know, Rocky, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to be leading your, your worship at, your, at the conferences, national conferences for influencers. And, you know, our influencers was in Northwest Arkansas at the time, so we had no vision at that time that it would be where it is. But I said, that'd be the greatest privilege in the world. And so he's been serving as that for us. He's been the worship leader, and he brought his band around him, which includes Nick <laughs> and, and Frank and a few others. And he's been on point for us since we began gathering men together for uh, a national retreat. And when we put people on the stage, we want them to be inside out, not just being show, showbiz, not just performing, but everything's going on in here. Now, this is a journey, brother. He's been going through the journey for several years now, leading journey groups. And he is active right here. His heart with Christ, their mates, their friends. And we see it. And um, 
Sam, we love you. Love you too. And you know, I love you the most. <laughs> Just remember that. And you love me the most too. <laughs> I'm his favorite. Well, this bless bless us today. God bless you. So back to what I was saying when I was uh, rightly interrupted. <laughs> my, uh, my wife and I loved, my, my wife, I met her when she was 15 and fell madly crazy in love with her. I would have been madly and crazy in love with her every minute or since. And she's, uh, she's the complete apple of my eye. Everything about her was, was, uh, perfect for me, even the arguing that she would do, because she'd always kick my tail and make me better. I'm ten times a better man by my wife, uh, and so I have to say that. So the last time I was here, I spoke on Friday, and then we stayed a couple more days with Nick and the girls and had a great time, and then we took off on Monday and headed over towards Rogers uh, to visit some friends. We met about halfway and had a nice luncheon, and everything was great, and then the next day we headed down. We were going down to the ranch where I grew up. I grew up on a cattle ranch just south of Waco, and so I was going to take her down to the ranch and introduce her to my cousins, which is going to be something that's like the Beverly Hillbillies, so it's going to be kind of different. So they're wonderful people, though, and so I was excited about it, and we were on our way down, and uh, Wednesday morning she woke up not feeling well. We were in Hillsboro, Texas, and uh, she woke up not feeling well, and I thought maybe it's because she's sleeping on strange beds and we've been traveling and eating probably the wrong food you know everything down here is fried and so uh, we were I thought that's what it was and so I said let's just lay low today we'll just stay at the hotel I'll go out and get us something to eat and we'll just watch TV and just relax and so I was fine until about six o'clock seven o'clock at night uh, she asked me to help her to the bathroom I went to take her to the bathroom and then she didn't want me to leave now we've been married a long time I'm not shy or anything but she's never asked me to stay in the bathroom with her and I thought that was kind of alarming and then I took her back to bed and as I set her down I realized that uh, her eyes did not look good her face didn't look good she was she looked real sick so I said we're going to the ER and I says I'll get you dressed now she would always go out dressed she would always took care of herself and look nice and she said you just better take me in my pajamas so I knew that there was really a problem so long story short we ended up at Hillsboro they intubated her put her on heavy drugs said that she probably wouldn't make it to Waco she had to go to the ICU at Providence and so uh, we put her in this little ambulance and I followed in the car behind at 80 miles an hour and uh, we made it to Hillsborough or to uh, Waco to Providence Hospital put her in the ICU and she had sepsis and then for two weeks and one day we fought uh, 24 hours a day to try to keep her blood pressure up trying to get her kidneys to start they wouldn't on dialysis and this little girl who was a real fighter and just the apple of my eye was dying and I could not stop it nothing I could do could stop it and I was on it like white on rice I mean I didn't I never left her side and um, but it took over and she passed. She passed May 10th, 1245, May 10th. And um, Nick and I were both sitting there in the room with her, and we watched the spirit leave. 
she could just see the spirit leave from her body. And it was hard to see, it was hard to watch, hard to think about. And then that was bad. So we ended up um, coming back to Tulsa and stayed for a few days, me and my daughter, and uh, stayed with Nick. And then we flew back home and I took her ashes home with me. And uh, they're still in the closet. I haven't decided what we're going to do. I think I'm, when I die, I'm just going to mix them together. I think that's what we're going to do. And then two weeks later, I've been having this cough. I still, <coughs> sorry, I have to cough from time to time. Had this cough, but it was really bad. And so the kids were worried because now they lost their mother and they're afraid they're going to lose their dad. So they said, uh, you know, you got to go to a doctor. So I went to a doctor. They did x-ray. Uh, they saw some uh, spots on my lungs. So they did a CAT scan and they found that I had pancreatic cancer. It's stage four. It's a metastasized, or however you say that word, into my lungs. And I've got it in my lymph nodes. The doctor gave me six months to live. That was seven months ago. Um, I'm doing good. I um, uh, don't so, show any symptoms, really. I haven't lost any weight. I'm maintaining. I'm still singing at nursing homes, which is my, my ministry. I'm still doing that. Not as much as I was, but I'm still doing that. Still leading the worship for the men's group for our influencers in Fullerton and our influencers in Irvine. I've got two separate bands, and they're both fun, and we're having a great time seeing men really get, learn how to worship. You know, I had a compliment from a friend of mine who was going to sit in for me when I went away. And, and I said, uh, well, you know, I'm trying to give him some hints on how to, what kind of songs to pick, what kind of things the guys like, and that kind of stuff. And I'm talking to him. And he says, oh, with your men, I don't have to worry. They're all worshipers. He said, you've trained them to be worshipers. And I never thought about that, but I think it's kind of like what Rocky says. You just show up with integrity and righteousness, and you just keep walking in, in the way. And I think I've modeled over the last 25 years, I've modeled what worship looks like. Uh, not necessarily the stance or how you smile or you don't smile or the posture of your body. It's, it's the attitude of the heart. And um, you guys are worshipers. I, I noticed a lot of worshipers out in this room this morning. Not all of you. <laughs> some of you are just playing at it. But some of you are really worshiping. And uh, it, that will spill over. And the guy next to you that's not quite serious about it yet, he'll, he'll get to a point where he says, what the heck? I might as well go for it. Uh, that makes a big difference. Just makes a big difference. I've got a song. I think I might have done this. I was working on a new album. Since, since all this has happened, I'll tell you one of the things that's, that's kind of exciting when you know you've been given a death sentence uh, you've got a short time to do stuff and stuff that you've had on the back burner it either moves to the front burner or it's gone you don't have time for it so I've written two books I've recorded a CD I've recorded 35 uh, video blogs to go on, uh, I, on the YouTube. I'm going to record another hundred. That's my plan. Uh, got my living trust all in order. Got my house all in order. Got all my bills paid. So I'm out of debt. Uh, 
accept the mortgage on the home, and that's okay. Um, I didn't think I'd live to see that day anyway, but you know. <laughs> so, so it's all right. I have good days and bad days. The nausea and the uh, fatigue are the hardest parts. And uh, Nick and I were talking on the way over here this morning. He says, Dad, can you tell when you're going to have a good day or a bad day? And I can tell uh, the moment I open my eyes. If I'm so nausea, I'm looking for a toilet to throw up in, it's not going to be a good day. If I wake up and I'm feeling okay, okay, it's going to be a good day. Today's going to be a good day. And I'm, I'm happy about that because yesterday was not a good day. And so uh, exciting. And then I get to be with my grandbabies. You know, I've got two of the cutest little girls in the world, and they're just full of life, and they're just adorable. So that's one of the reasons I come out here. Although I like it out here, it's dang cold here. <laughs> And I, I, it's cold. Is it colder than Rogers? Uh-huh. Really? No wonder you came here. You came south. <laughs> now, maybe I told you all this story before, and so bear with me if, uh, if you've heard it. Uh, it's a true story. I don't have to lie, so that's good. Um, <clears throat> I was having trouble in my ministry. I'm not making enough money. Uh, now, um, I'm, not, I'm not in the ministry for money. Uh, I've learned uh, the smartest thing a man can learn is to not chase money, but chase ministry. That's one of the smartest things any man in any field can learn. Chase ministry, don't chase money. The money will come. It's, not the, it's, it's kind of backwards for us. We're used to chasing after money. We want raises and we want money. I get that. We all have to have it. It's a necessary evil. But if you get your mindset on chasing ministry, God will provide. Because it says in Matthew 6.33, you seek my kingdom first and my righteousness first, and everything you need will be added. And, and that really works. Delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Okay, so I, my job is to learn how to delight in the Lord and seek Him first in everything. And then everything I need will be added. So you chase ministry, you don't chase money. Now that, that may sound like a little phrase that just went out over your head. I'm hoping you get that. I'm hoping you pick up on that. And I'm hoping you start chewing on that and saying, how can I take my job and turn it into ministry and still do my job? It's easy, actually. It's just a mindset. It's just, it's just a mindset. Uh, it's like coming into worship. If you come into worship, if you come into worship waiting for the band to impress you enough so that you can get into worship, you're not going to worship. You're going to find the bass is too loud or the drums are too loud. You're going to find something that you don't like. I don't like this song. This is hard to sing. It's in the wrong key. You're going to be complaining about it. If you come in with an attitude of worship, I'm going there to worship God. I'm going there to have an encounter with God. I'm going there because it's going to be a holy music to my God. Then you will worship. Does that make sense? So if you get a mindset that I'm chasing after ministry, I'm looking for ministry opportunity everywhere I can go. And then you ask God for the wisdom to discern when those opportunities are there. Your antenna is tuned in. As men of God, we need to stand in the gap. We're at a time in our crisis in our culture where men are dying and men are not going to heaven. And we live in a time when the cold is happening. The love towards God is growing cold. 
And so we, we're the heat agents here, guys. We should have our spiritual antenna up for those guys. And a lot of those guys that are they're, they're going, to end up going to hell, they're only missing it by this far. They just haven't had their mindset, haven't had it changed. Now, maybe being next to one of you, they'll say, well, what do you got? How come you handle it so well? It's, it's a big difference. Anyway, so I had this thing. We're running, not having enough money, it didn't seem like. So I talked to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I think I'm seeking your kingdom first, but money's not coming in. So, man, I really heart-searched. I really did. And the Lord said to me one morning in my journal, said, that's not your problem. And I'm like, okay. Oh, I know what it is. You're wanting to prune me. You're wanting to take some things out of my life that are getting in the way of what you really want me to do. That's it, right? No, that's not your problem. I don't know how God talks to you in your journal, but in my journaling, God talks to me. And I listen. So finally I said, Father, what, what's going on? What, why, am I, why am I feeling this distance? And he said, you have forgotten to delight in me. It's like Ephesus leaving their first love. You forgot to delight in me. It's like sometimes, you know, we have children. Sometimes we get so busy, we forget to delight in our children. You know, they're in the way. They're noisy. I got things on my mind. I can't think about that right now. And the kids are running crazy. Uh, happens that way with dogs. I could shoot my dogs half the time. <laughs> and it's real easy to get off, off course, to forget why we're here. And so... Anyway, I went under this tree in a little park called Mason Park, and I went down under this tree with my guitar and a notebook and my Bible and my journal, and I just sat there for about half a day and just prayed and wrote and prayed and wrote and took my guitar and would worship, and, then, and finally this little song came out of it. It goes like this. I delight in you, Father, for your faithfulness to me. Oh, I love you, my Savior. Your face is all I seek. Let my soul rejoice. Let my words be few. Lord, I lift up my voice. There's no other God but you. You're the Lord of my days. You're the Lord of my nights. In you I delight. I delight. I delight in your mercy. Your grace is oh so sweet. Lord, I long to know you. I long to know you more complete. Let my soul rejoice. Let my words be few. 
Lord, I lift up my voice. There's no other God but you. You're the Lord of my days. You're the Lord of my nights. In you I delight. I delight. Saved my soul and set me free. Oh Lord, you are you're all I need. Let my soul rejoice. Let my words be few. Lord, I lift up my voice. There's no other God but you. You're the Lord of my days. You're the Lord of my nights. In you I delight. I delight. I delight in you, Father, for your faithfulness to me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, right after, um, right after my wife passed, uh, Rocky and Frank came up, and we sat and uh, I cried. They talked. Uh, it was a it was a good meeting. We had good barbecue that night. Nick's a good barbecue guy. We had good barbecue. We had good fellowship. It was great. And uh, I don't even remember all the things that they said. Uh, I was kind of numb and shock. And uh, it had just been a few days. It hadn't even been a week yet. And um, it was very hard, very difficult. It's not anything I'd wish on anybody. You know, I said to my men when I went back uh, Friday's group in Irvine, we got about 300 guys. And I said, you know, I, I want to say I wouldn't wish this on any of you. I said, but if I say that, I'm saying I wish it on your wife. Because one of you is going to go first. And I said, and I don't wish it on her either. And so I guess the best thing I can say is I wish that God in his mercy would pick the right one to go first. And that's what he does. Um, I, I wouldn't want my wife to go through what I'm, I'm going through right now, to watch me go through what I'm going through right now. The chemo is terrible. Um, they, uh, they don't give me a real good chance. Uh, they say maybe one or two years if I'm lucky. Uh, they don't know um, really because it's God who decides. My days are numbered before I had one of them. And so uh, they don't know how long I'm going to last. I mean, I'm a pretty tough old cookie. 
So I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I just, the, but like what Rocky was saying, I, I just want to finish, finish strong. I just want to make sure that I stay faithful to what I believe and that I finish strong in serving. My wife asked me, you know, uh, she asked me, she said this, she said, uh, you got to promise me you'll let me die first. Like I had anything to say with that. You know, I'm older than she is. Um, had open heart surgery, carotid artery surgery, stents in my heart. Um, I thought I was going to croak first. I drive 90 miles an hour. <laughs> and, um, and I'm not even that good a driver anymore. So it's really a scary, <laughs> it's kind of a scary perspective. So I thought it was going to be me. So I said, okay, I'll get a pistol and keep it by the bed. And on my deathbed, I'll shoot you first. <laughs> That's about as funny as I could get. And then I, I said, I can't guarantee that I'm going to die first. <clears throat> I kept my promise. She died first, May 10th. And, um, and then she said to me, she said, uh, oh, this was kind of a shock. I may have told you all this. She said, uh, I came home and she said, I don't want you to be mad at me. And I was very, very mad at her. So I said, okay, what did you do? And she said, I canceled my life insurance. And I said, you did what? She said, I canceled my life insurance. And it wasn't a big policy. It was like $25,000 policy. It would be enough to bury her and stuff like that. And so I said, why did you do that? She said, well, I've been thinking about it. If I died and you had $25,000, you would just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And you wouldn't go back to work. But if you have to go back to work, you'll go back to work. And it'll shorten your grieving process. So I canceled my insurance. You know, she's dead right. She's dead right. I'd have just moped. I'm still having a hard time not moping. And I, so I got that. And then the third thing that she said to me was, you have to promise me that you will die in the sanctuary. That you will serve God to your dying day. That everything about your life from this point on is 100% sold out to Jesus. And I thought it was before. Uh, it's, it's gone more now. And um, I wrote this little song. Got time. We're going to do two more songs and I'll let y'all go. Am I way over, Frank, or are we all right? Very off. Okay. Um, Rocky said something to me at, at Nick's house that day that we were, I was sniveling and stuff. And he said, I think you're going to write better music than ever for the kingdom of God now. He says, I think you're going to come up with songs that are better. And I don't know. This is the first one that I've written. And Nick and I wrote this together, actually. It's the first one I've written from um, since this time. And I had that uh, real fast, I'm sorry, but real fast I have to tell you. I was disappointed in God. 
I was disappointed because I had prayed for my wife to be healed. And I'd prayed, you know, John 16, 23, ask anything in my name and my father will do it. I prayed that. I prayed it on the floor of the, of the hospital room with my eyes just bawling my eyes out, praying for her to, to, to be well. And so I had a lot of challenges because I was disappointed that the Lord had not worked it out the way I I'd thought it was going to work out because my wife was a godly girl and a, uh, she was my partner. She was everything. And so uh, I had a hard time. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. I trust God, but I don't understand it. So I had to war through that. There were some songs I couldn't sing because uh, there was one song that Nick did in the hospital um, that said something about uh, you've always been faithful. And I'm thinking, no, you haven't. You weren't faithful in healing my wife. I had a hard time working through that song. And now I can do it, but it took me a while to get to the point. Saying my idea of faithful and your idea of faithful are two different things, God. But I think uh, one of us has to change, and I don't think it's him. When the storm comes, and time is no more. When the seas to tumble and roar. When all is made right in the world. For that until then, Lord, I'll be safe in your arms. Until then, Lord, I will praise you with all of my heart. And until then, Lord, I will serve you with all of my strength. And until then, I'll declare your glory to all I see. Until then, and forever, I'm totally yours. And when the storm's raging, and I'm overwhelmed, when things don't go the way that I planned, when I can't see, Lord, your purpose or plan. Don't get me wrong, I would give anything in my life to have her back. I love my wife. You should love your wives. In fact, every time I see a young man and a wife squabbling, it's hard for me not to grab the guy by the nape of the neck and say, what the hell do you think you're doing? What are you doing? This is nothing. One day she'll be gone and you'll regret all of this. I just want to shake them up. Say, half the stuff you guys are fighting about is nothing. It's a waste of time. I give, just to have a minute back with my girl, I'd just see about anything I own to have her back. I got one last song for us. I wrote this actually for my funeral. So uh, it's not morbid, it's a positive song. So uh, it's called The Best Is Yet To Come. And it is. So uh, I have not much to say about this song. I'll just play it for y'all. 
my voice is a little rusty. You know, poor workman blames his tools, but, but my voice is a little rusty from uh, not singing very much. I used to sing about four, five, six hours a day, and I'm not singing very much. So it's a little tight. So if I hit a few clams, uh, it's Wayne's fault. <laughs> When all my days are gone And I leave this world behind Oh, I hope that you will say We had a pleasant time We laughed and talked a while We shared a dream or two And I'm a better man Cause I spent time with you When you remember me When all is said and done I hope you will believe Best is yet to come. Now when I see his face, I'll be sure to mention you. But I'm sure in all his grace, he'll be thinking of you too. Now the time it won't be long. Till we meet again So remember my little song How our love will never end Where the best is yet to come The best is yet to come And when all is said and done I know the best is yet to come I consider this present suffering nothing to be compared with the best that's still yet to come now when all my days are gone And I leave this all behind Oh, I hope that you will say We had a pleasant time Thanks, guys. Wow, what a beautiful message and uh, beautiful songs. And so, uh, so love that man, Sam Parsons. So, uh, 
be praying for Sam Parsons, all of you out there, you influencers. Uh, we're really hoping that, that Sam will be able to join us as praise and worship leader at our national summit, May 2nd through 5th in Northwest Arkansas, and encourage you guys to be part of it. If you haven't registered yet, go to our website, influencers.org, and you'll see SOTO National Summit on there. You can click on it, and, and it'll take you to the registration page where with a $100 deposit, you can reserve your spot. We only have about 300, 310 spots, and we know it's going to fill up quick. So uh, don't wait till the last minute or you might get might get shut out at the gate. So uh, anyway, uh, thank you for joining us today. This has been the Influencers Network Podcast. I've been your host, Brian Craig, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.